What's up, friends? Daquan here. I just wanted to give you all a heads up on this episode. We have a slight bit of audio quality differences on my side, which changes kind of in the middle of, of the track. It's actually fine. Should still be listenable. Uh, the reason I'm giving an apology is like I was going to go back and rework it and everything else. But honestly, it's kind of an emotional rant uh, that goes on there that I didn't feel like going over again. So I'm leaving it as is so you get it exactly the way we initially intended to present it. So I hope that's good enough. But I did want to apologize for that as it was something on my side technically that we didn't catch until about uh, midway through the recording. But it should still be listenable. I checked the quality. It still should be mostly fine. It's just not up to our top standards. But anyway, there's a lot we cover in this show, a little bit uh, that's pretty emotional. So I hope y'all enjoy the listen. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode one, two, three. That's kind of cool. Of Color of Magic, your Magic and Gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 123 episodes, I've got my same sidekick with me, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? Pretty good. Uh, I actually can say no major complaints for the first time in several weeks. Hey, you're sounding a little bit better, so I'm hoping yeah. that means the, the COVID effects are, are leaving finally. I, I think so. No COVID. Nothing's frozen. <laughs> That's true. You you had to double whammy back to back weeks, so that that wasn't great for you. Winter uh, winter has come and hopefully gone. Yeah, hopefully it stays gone for y'all. So yeah, before we get into today's episode, because man, this week is a doozy. Let me tell you. Uh, by the way, if you are a patron, we do have a special episode up for you where we dive into the issues of today's episode a little bit more. So uh, feel free to check that out. It's an extra thirty minutes for you. But we want to pay some respects to our sponsor, Cardsphere.com. If you haven't checked them out, you probably should. They, one, they support a lot of quality up-and-coming content creators, so that's great. You know, it's easy to go out and support people that already made it, but they really put their money behind some people that are a lot smaller, so that's always a cool benefit. But their website's cool. You know, they've got a good community over in their Discord. If you're looking to sell your stuff, but maybe you don't want to deal with the timing and the hassle and everything of eBay... Maybe you don't have enough stuff that you want to put it up over on, on TCG Player. Check them out over at Cardsphere. It's a, it's a different way to sell stuff. You can name your price effectively. You can sell it to who you want. Like It's really cool, and it's different. And I use it. I like For real, I'm like those old like Rogaine commercials, or, like, or Hair Club for Men. Like Not only am I a spokesperson, <laughs> I'm, I'm also a client or whatever. But seriously, I do. I genuinely do mm. use the site. So yeah, go check them out. It's Cardsphere.com. If you want to support the show, though, like we mentioned earlier, and you want to get occasional, well, at least once a month, like, you know, private episodes and whatnot, check that out over at Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, you can support the show, help us keep the lights on, help us upgrade our gear, and keep getting better and better. Just like Scott Ware, who's our, one of our newer patrons. He came on in October 2021, so I want to say thank you to old Scott. So thank you for supporting the show, friend. And then finally, if you want to get some stuff for yourself, check out colorofmtg.com slash shop where you can get tokens and playmats with the our likenesses, but also like the show logo or whatever. So especially as we're starting to finally crossing our fingers a little bit, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, kind of. 
that we're going to start going to events and going to our local stores, you could rep the podcast and help us out. Also, while I'm thinking about that, if you haven't done so, go to wherever you download your podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Help us out. Let people know that we're actually a good show. Leave a comment. Let people know you're excited about listening to us every week or that, you know, we're a little bit different than other magic podcasts. So people know what to expect, and maybe that'll help us out getting some more listeners. That little bit is always very appreciated. But now, we're going to get into some serious stuff. And man, I'm... I, I held it together pretty good on the on the private show, but <laughs> I'm going to apologize in case I get a little animated and, and an F-bomb or something drops here. So, you know, if you're underage, earmuffs for the next, like, <laughs> I don't know, 15 minutes, because we could go a while on this one. But man, I'm trying to figure out where to start. I'm just, Okay. <clears throat> for those of you that don't know, there is a gentleman that goes by the name of, I, I don't even say gentleman, I'm going to say a guy. This gentleman is too classy. I'm going to say there's a guy that goes by the name of Jerry Banfield, who is a content creator on multiple platforms. And he decided to wake up today and choose violence in the most ridiculous way. He decided he was going to have a stream while he's playing Call of Duty, of all things, and talk about a thing that he's been wanting to talk about for a while. A thing that he decided Black History Month is like the best time for him to dive into this discussion. And he wanted to make this heartfelt announcement to the world that he no longer wants to be seen as a white man. He wants to be acknowledged and identified as a black person. He didn't do ancestry. He didn't find out anything no, about no. his background. Because like I said, because at least if you'd have been like, well, hey, I'm like 8% of my ancestry comes from the Republic of Congo or whatever. I'd be like, all right, at least you have some dumb rationale to base that on at least. You know, like you got something. Like this dude just decided, no, this is just going to be a thing. And then, and then like, because even that part, I'm like, we went through this with the whole Rachel Dalzell thing, right? Like, this ain't new. People do this crap, right? But then he goes on to say, like, well, you know, I was watching other people, other guys that are already successful. And then, you know, when they transition, they get a lot of extra attention and identifying as women. So why can't I just make it like an equal race thing? Because if you can identify as another gender, I should be able to identify as another race. And it'll probably be good for extra attention. So... The dude not only is being disingenuous from the get-go, he's telling you flat out he's doing it for attention. And he decided to just, for whatever reason, throw the trans folks under the bus in the process. He's just just trolling on multiple levels. Yeah. Like, trying to see how many people he can offend at one time. Yeah, and by the way, this isn't somebody who needs the attention to come up or whatever. This is a dude who just made a video back, I think it was November, where... He was showing, in just Facebook gaming alone, he did something somewhere between twelve dollars and $15,000 for the month. So his take-home between partnerships, brand deals, YouTube, whatever, I would not be shocked if he's clearing something like, if I were guessing, somewhere in the ballpark of thirty dollars to forty k a month. <laughs> Until now. 
Oh yeah, that that I'll tell you for a fact it came to a halt because Facebook Gaming already announced to to our Black Gaming Creator Group, which by the way, if you're in the know, you're in the system, you know that's a thing. A platform that's pushing that sure as hell ain't gonna let that sit. Especially during Black History Month. So they acted quickly, took that dude down, said he's out of the program. They're looking at the rest of the legal around it. He might get nuked from from the entire platform. I, yeah. I don't know what the the goal or the end game was here. I don't either. Like he he's got a management company he works with. They dropped him. Of course, these are all the the, the most logical reactions, and easily foreseeable. One would think. We've talked about YouTube's pushing the whole black voices thing, so you know they're going to have something to say in the next twenty four forty eight yeah. hours. So, like, bruh, what are you doing? What are you doing? He just woke up, decided he would burn everything he owns to the ground. Yeah, and I told people, like, either the only... Again, I don't wish anybody have problems. But the only logical thing is either one... And I'll get into this in a second. He's way off the deep end in conspiracy land. Or two... He posts about being six years sober, seven years sober, something like that, blah, blah, like, maybe he's back on some sauce that got him in trouble. Or worse, he's just having some type of mental condition breakdown. Now, I am not an expert in any of those things, so I'm not going to claim to say any of those. But I would But it's not rational behavior. Yeah, other than just being ignorantly racist, I, I hope it's one of those other things. Because I can't imagine waking up, looking at my job where I make, in his case, we'll say even conservatively, let's say he does 25 to 30K a month, and just decide, you know what, I'm going to do something that might put all this in jeopardy. With no real upside. Well, maybe yeah, there's just... there's upside, I don't know. But, and I will say, the, the, the sad part is that when you read through the comments, there is a disproportionately large number of people that are donating subs to him and giving him donated cash and telling him how he's putting the left in their place. And yeah, somebody should finally do this. Don't let anybody shut you down. And like, yeah, you should do this. And blah, blah, don't blah. let anybody should, as if he has the option of not letting YouTube and Facebook shut him down. Oh yeah, yeah, that ain't that ain't gonna last. That's not the way that works. But hell, who knows? Maybe he he finds his way over to TikTok. We're gonna talk about later about that, or he can go to what's that other one that all the 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 anarchists went to that tried to storm the Capitol, whatever that thing was. They can go they can go to that platform. Yeah, Trump's probably launching Truth Social here pretty soon. Yeah, you can go hang out with those folks. But like, it's just it just makes no sense. The whole thing makes no sense. And and reading through the comments. It, it, man, I am trying to not just like say something. Just <laughs> I know, I know, it's just, but it's, it's mind boggling. It is when you like we've talked about before. Like I literally have sat down with people that I'm seeing have more success than me because I'm a believer. I don't know everything. Maybe somebody else has figured something out, right? Maybe I can learn from some of these people. So I'm like, hey, you don't mind me asking? Like, where do you promote your stuff once you put it up? Hey, what time of day are you promoting your thing? Hey, what are you using to, to load this? And blah, blah, like just different questions, right? Because I'm like, maybe there's something in here I just don't know. And then when they give you like 
a one-sentence answer, and that's all they're doing. You're like, well, I'm doing that plus four other things. I said, what about this? Well, I'm doing that and then some. And then you see them just having success doing less, and people like this are out there. But then I literally have a week where I put out more content than I ever have to see slightly above average interactions. And, you know, occasionally have to fight off people that are trying to get my stuff shut down or coming with the downvote brigades or whatever to try to suppress my content. When I literally don't even have anything I put up on my site. If you follow me on Twitter, sure. But any stuff I put out there on Facebook or on, on YouTube or whatever is like mostly just gaming stuff. There's no nothing questionable in that content. Nothing political, nothing even mentioning race or whatever, but, but just for existing, you take those hits. And you have somebody doing this kind of crap, taking shots at multiple groups. And people, he probably made an extra thousand dollars plus just from that post being there. Which is so absurd. Sadly, p- people, you know, people support foolishness in disproportionate numbers. It's It's so ridiculous. I mean, just... Uh, like that's the stuff you wake up and just go like, really, really, like you have to watch this dude basically nuking his whole last, I don't know, five years worth of work, still getting money raining down on him on the way out, you know, and you're like, man, I hope this video does $40 today, you know, like yeah. <laughs> that, that you put eight hours or six hours worth of work into or whatever, right? Like. Oh man, just oh, like it's it's so frustrating, so frustrating. And the, the the dude was so brazen that he just reposted it on multiple platforms and stuff. And then when it finally got shut down, he made a post about well, they removed me from the partner program and blah blah, and I don't see why there's anything wrong with this. And you know, I'm just like, dude, really, you're still gonna try to double down on this? Like, at this stage, you've, like, that's why I'm saying, like, something mentally has to be going on. Because I can't imagine that, like, you haven't processed that, bro, you're about to lose, by his own account, at least 10 to 12K a month from just that one platform. And you're just like, no, I don't know why they did it. It should be fair. But, like, yo, you're not even trying to make amends? Like, you're not even trying to show any level of remorse? And there's still people supporting them. I'm like, golly, what do you do with that? We know all the isms, you know, racism, sexism, class, they sell. Yeah, and we they... talk about, you know, saying the quiet parts out loud, but he basically was just taking the book and reading it out loud, chapter yeah. to chapter. Like, damn. He's, oh, look, I'm going to identify as something stupid. I, that's never been done before. Yeah, this, this is his post. He says, well, no one said... Any reason why and the live stream I did earlier shouldn't be a problem. I where I revealed the, my race is now black and African American by my choice. We live in a world where we are free to change genders and therefore must apply to race as well, regardless of outward appearance. Just as changing gender does not require a change in the physical body. I trust that given race, that given race is a protected status. Given I have followed all the policies on Facebook. So now he's claiming that he should get protected status because he's changed races, I guess. Uh, 
let's see, the policies on Facebook gaming today and for years, and I've given I am free to self-identify in any way I like. A resolution will come for what has happened to my page with your help, and if you are available to provide it, I will continue streaming and uploading daily as usual and appreciate your support. I don't even understand. Like, dude's been black for, as this post went up, like three hours. Five hours. And now he's trying to get protections as a black person. (laughs) And here's the thing. Let's be real for a second, though, right? And this is this is getting a little bit off off the gaming aspect, streaming aspect of it. But it's not even about him identifying as a black person. Right? The reason it wouldn't work out anyway is it's not about just the color of your skin. It's not about just saying you're a black person. Unfortunately, being black comes with dealing with all of that history, that negativity, that that crap we've talked about on the show where you're ingrained and like, you can't not dress well going to work. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, that is a thing, right? That comes with that. That comes with that history. That comes with that damage, the social issues, being seated in a restaurant and magically they seat you in the furthest back booth in the back of the room. You know, like that's why black people are frustrated and angry. They're like, Cool. If you were willing to take on everything and have all those parts, you know what it is? It's why black people are cool with Eminem. Because he stood up when he knew it was going to get backlash for him. Right? He knew, well, if I say this, I'm going to get a bunch of hate, but, you know, I got to support all these people. And it's like, cool, you're you're in the culture. Like, Eminem has a lifetime pass to the barbecue. (laughs) Like, for real, just being honest about it, like. Ain't nobody going to not give that dude a pass to the barbecue. He ain't even got to bring food. He ain't got to bring nothing. He's got to show up. Your auntie will make him a plate. Like, for real. There's so much that comes with that. And that's what makes it frustrating. That you're willing to use somebody else's problems, their plight, their whatever, to profit from it. When you have not been part of their struggles and you don't deal with their daily issues. The same way we talk about on the show, like we don't try to represent or speak for women, right? We speak about stuff that we can as far as we can, but we support their cause and their voice. Same thing when there was stuff going on with the whole Asian hate thing and whatever, right? We are not Asian. We are not trying to identify as anybody. We don't speak for them. We just do what we can to bring up their issues and support them. But understanding that every group is going through something different. And every class, every race, whatever, has their own problems. But to just identify that without taking any of the negativity that comes with it, that's absolutely going to draw hate. But man, like this this whole thing, it just... Uh. And, and like I said, I, I expect the bad people to do bad things. I really do. But when you see all the support that the other people give them, that's what makes it disheartening. It, uh, I don't know, and, and and I will say, at some point, went through his stuff, looked through some of his videos, because again, trying to do my research, I understand the situation. He has gone some conspiracy theory level. He's got into some books that some dude I didn't even recognize wrote about like aliens and the government space program or something, and he's been making posts about that and you know, Facebook reels and and YouTube shorts covering that stuff and 
He's talking about how, like, you can cure yourself from cancer if you overcome it mentally or something. I don't know. Just, like, oh, stuff that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But And out. it's always frightening to see somebody that's actually got a large platform because some some not zero percentage of the people that follow him will believe this nonsense. Oh, yeah. I mean, several, multiple hundreds of thousands of followers, which means, you know, a lot of times that could be millions of viewers, you know, so who knows who's seen his stuff or what he's talking about or whatever. But if I can say anything to anyone, and I mean this genuinely, whether it's us or somebody else, if you follow someone or you believe in somebody's work that's of a disenfranchised group, underrepresented group, every single time you retreat, you share, you like one of their videos or posts, you you leave a comment, like it may seem inconvenient for you to take the time to write down two sentences. But every time you do that, every time you share a video or a post or whatever, it really has double or even triple, even quadruple the value you think it does. Because it's not just what you're doing, you're also offsetting the negativity that somebody else is dropping on them and dropping on that piece of content. So anytime you're like, ah, I kind of want to, but I don't have time, like take 15, 20 more seconds. You know, when you're like, ah, I don't know if I want this on my social feed or whatever, just hit the share button. <laughs> like just, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is huge. And I was just telling people in my Discord today, like, how much I appreciate them because every single one of them makes the next step just a little bit easier. It's not going to solve the problem, but at least helps negate some of those problems coming in so you can continue to move forward. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to hand this off to you. All right. Uh, Nintendo made a pretty controversial announcement here that Apparently, they're going to, you know, I believe March 2023, they're going to be closing down the uh, Wii U and uh, 3DS gift shops. And there's going to be obviously a lot of games there that you would just won't be able to purchase anymore after that goes away. And of course, many people have asked many questions. And Nintendo basically said, after we close this down, there's not really going to be. Basically, the quote is, we currently have no plans to offer this classic content in other ways, which is kind of a frightening thing to read from a publisher the size of Nintendo. It's kind of, I guess, uh, some of the cautionary tales that we received earlier talking about, uh, you know, just ownership of digital things. We're like, hey, you think you've... Apparently, I guess what you've already bought, you get to keep. But it said apparently even as of August 29th, 2022, you won't even be able to use a Nintendo shop card to add funds to an account on Wii U or the Nintendo 3DS. Of course, we've known for a while. I think the 3DS is 11 years old. So, yeah, we knew that obviously they were going to kind of get out of the 3DS and Wii U game business. But still, this is just a kind of bizarre way to go about that. Yeah, you know, though, it's kind of like we talked about, right? Where if we move everything all digital, sometimes this stuff happens, right? Because you don't have a physical copy. And and it's a little, because you like, I, I think we brought it up off, off air earlier, but like, it's kind of like all those people that had that music on their iPods or whatever, right? <laughs> and then you, you damage or lose an iPod and it's like, well, what do I do? How do I get my $200 worth of music back or whatever, right? That was the thing that happened to people. 
people lost devices that they had help. I wouldn't be surprised. Some people I know might even have a thousand dollars worth of music in there that they had no access to because the whole iTunes store used to be really bad. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough one, man. And what I would guess it's a bad because you look at kind of the Nintendo switch online, there's a, there's a uh, basically an original Nintendo Entertainment System a subscription you can buy. There's a thing now a N64 subscription you can buy. So I guess at some point there'll be Wii U and 3DS subscriptions. But that kind of seems a little bit greedy. Let's be honest. Yeah, but I mean, if they've already kind of built the culture of those others exist, yeah. you know what's going to happen. You take it away for a while, let it ride for six to nine months. And then you're like, we're introducing this. And people are just going to, instead of forgetting that you took that away from me, it's going to be like, oh, they brought it back. You know, like that's that's what's going to happen because that's how we're humans. That's how it's going to work. Yeah. It, it's like when you, you take a wrestler off TV for a while and then they show up six months later and people are like, oh, even if they were a heel, you know, people are like, oh, they're back or whatever. And you yeah. get a face turn with no explanation. You just magically get excited about that thing you hated being gone. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that's a hard one. I don't, and you know, and it's something that's probably going to continue to come up in the future because, yeah, you know, just like you're saying, it's some of these systems are 11 years old. The fact that they even still supported it for 11 years is a big deal. Hell, Android doesn't support updates for devices more than like two to three years old sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, 11 years is a long. Actually, I mean, Nintendo really did people a favor for <laughs> keeping something for 11 years. Honestly, because I have to imagine that couldn't have been making that much money on the DSs, right? Maybe I don't. Know, they sold a lot of DSs. Like, yeah, maybe it's possible. I don't the, the, the people who still have it probably are spending a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah, I. You're, you're but it's just right. probably there's such a small minority in comparison to you know people that are primarily gaming on the Switch. Yeah. I mean, and nothing bad. I ain't well. gonna say anything bad about Nintendo Switch. I'm not. Yeah, Switch has done very well for Nintendo. That that was one of the hottest things, especially at the start of the pandemic. Yep. Man, Switches Switches were the money. So yeah, it's still an incredible console. Yeah, I mean they're still selling. I see them everywhere. People still buying them, so they're doing something right. But man, yeah, that's a tough one for Nintendo fans. I I, I mean I guess. In the future, if you could build the platforms where you could still play your old games on the new systems, and maybe, but yeah, and, and even with those uh, memberships that I talked about, those aren't all the games. That's just a selection of, I guess, yeah. kind of like greatest hits, you know, most popular games. I would even say most popular because there's a <laughs> there's a wrestling game on there that I thought I was the only person that ever played, but somehow it made the list. I. I'm wondering if we kind of are just entering a territory where, barring, you know, emulators or something of that nature, games kind of are a limited time. Now, they might, limited might be five years or 10 years or whatever, but yeah. maybe that's just the way we're, we're moving into content now on a platform. Because I don't even know, like, is it even realistic to ask a company to maintain servers? for a thing that maybe gets minimal use because some number of people paid for a thing or whatever. And like, how long do you maintain it? But these are, you know, we're talking about like Wii U and 3DS games, but I'm going to say the overall majority of them have no online component. Yeah. yeah. It's just a digital transaction. They can keep that up forever. I would assume, 
I would assume, especially with the money they make. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I know. They're selling you a product. (laughs) And a lot of people don't know this, but at one point, uh, one of the motivators for making the new uh, Wizards of the Coast store locator was actually because of the code it was based on with the the previous Google Maps and stuff they were using were actually just being hosted as like a gift by Google for some number. Like there were several like 10,000 places or whatever still using it. But Google basically said, like, hey, y'all, we're at some point in the future going to discontinue hosting this. Like, we don't know when, but it could be sometime within the next two years to three years. So whatever y'all want to do, y'all probably need to do something (laughs) because we don't want to keep this up anymore. So, I mean, I guess it's a thing in every industry to some extent. Like, at some point, they say, it's old enough. Y'all got to get a move on. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That's actually a good note to call out, though. So, yeah, if you're a Nintendo fan... Yeah, you know, might get your affairs in order, I guess. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to, to say, give the warning there. Oh, man. But we have some pretty interesting stories to get into because there was definitely some things to learn this week. So why don't we share them with the audience, Brian? All right. Uh, kind of an interesting story here from the Dallas Morning News. Stillwater, Oklahoma, and the uh, and, and Oklahoma State University have basically brokered a deal to pay American Airlines $4 million to keep flying into their town. Because American Airlines have basically told them, hey, we're not making enough money off of you guys. Sorry, we're out, You know, unless you come up with $4 million. Because I guess they just haven't. And this happened with a lot of smaller towns during the pandemic. The, the uh, airlines aren't making as much money as they would from, you know, going to New York, Chicago, L.A. So they're cutting the routes. And I guess this is what a lot of smaller cities may have to do to keep their airline route. And again, it's a partnership. Apparently, still the city of Stillwater and the university both put in two million dollars to keep those routes going. Yeah, just as an example, apparently uh, United Airlines has cut service to 11 smaller airports, including uh, College Station. So I guess there's a kind of a uh, similarities here where, you know, college towns, I guess probably during some parts of the year, they're, they're making a whole bunch of money. Like I guess while school's in session, then probably during the summer, they're probably making virtually no money once everybody has left town and gone back home for the summer. I could see that because... You know, somewhere like Waco, as an example, that has Baylor University, that's a small airport. I mean, it may only even house like four or five planes at a time. Like, so, again, and they probably do the same thing where you're getting busy during the school year, but less the rest of the time. Now, granted, at least in Waco, they've got like Eminem Mars and Bluebell, some of these other big companies there, which probably helps. But I don't know if you're in Stillwater or like you're saying, College Station, is there anything else there other than universities, really? Yeah, it says AA has cut service to nine airports since the start of COVID-19, including uh, New Haven, Connecticut, Joplin, Missouri. So I guess they, if they want to make us out do so, so a similar partnership where, like, hey, it may cost you four or five million dollars. And I guess you got to ask, is it even worth it at that point? Because obviously, probably for a city with the university, maybe. But yeah. I I don't know off the top of my head what's in New Haven, Connecticut. But especially during, like, you know, basketball and football season with all the people that travel. Yeah. Like, it's probably important. But, I mean, these all sound like airports, like I said, that are maybe somewhere between 
three and seven plane airports at any given time. So they're not yeah. large. So I don't, man, that's a tough one. Because on the one hand, it's like, well, we know the airlines could probably still be making a crap ton of money regardless. But I also kind of get it. If you have like half the year where you're not really making anything. Yeah. Ugh. And obviously, you know, people ever will be, travel is starting to pick up, but I'm sure their numbers still aren't what they were pre-COVID. Almost nobody's are. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, uh, maybe that's I guess I could see that in Stillwater saying, OK, hey, we'll pay for it for a year or two. Yeah. And then we'll review the numbers and say, OK, if numbers pick back up, are we good? You know, and then if numbers just stay bad, yeah. then, I, then I guess there's nothing you can do. Hey, that also gives you time, you know, for your tourism department to try to come up with other things for people to do at Stillwater. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, actually. Maybe that's it. You say, hey, look, if y'all want to keep this and keep business coming in, we got to come up with some other stuff. So, yeah, that's that's a pretty tough one. Uh, mine is a little bit amusing today. So, for those of you who don't know, there is a type of simian... You know, that is uh, referred to as a macaque, M-A-C-A-Q-U-E-S, I believe is how you spell that. Be careful how you say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, they're they endangered. I believe there's like 23 individual species or something of them, but their numbers are pretty small of each kind. So a bunch of them are in captivity and whatever. And they're like all things that are endangered and in captivity, they're trying to get them to breathe. And I guess somewhere along the way, and this is an absolutely true story. I'm, I'm trying not to laugh delivering it, but like, I guess they figured out they respond well to soft music. <laughs> so they got, which I didn't even know was a thing. There is, uh, I wish I had this gentleman's name. Um, oh, there it is. His name is Dave Largy. Uh, D-A-V-E, last name is L-A-R-G-I-E. He is a... Marvin Gaye tribute performer, I guess, is his definition, is his description. And they invited him to this animal park with some macaques to do a tribute singing of Let's Get It On. (laughs) This is true. This is in a place, I believe it's Trentham, uh, England, and they have a Trentham monkey forest. Uh, Trentum, T-R-E-N-T-H-A-M. This is a real place, a real thing. They brought in a tribute Marvin Gaye singer to sing in this public space a sensual song to the monkeys to hopefully get them to procreate. That's way better than mine. (laughs) That's way better than (laughs) it's early yet, but that's the early uh, forerunner for (laughs) what did we learn of the year? It might be. I don't know what we're going to find that's better than that. We're in February. We might have peaked in the segment already. Yeah, I mean, literally. Now, they don't know if it will have worked well or not because you have to look out. I think I guess for nine months or so, I don't know what their gestation period is. Mid to late summer is when a lot of them, I guess, would have their babies normally. So to decide if the numbers are up or not compared to normal, you kind of got to wait a few months. But yeah, apparently, I'm I'm just thinking like if you're this Dave Largy guy, right? You're out there. 
doing the let's get it on. You know, like, <laughs> right? Are you like waiting to see like if the monkeys are like sliding over, putting their arm around each other? You would have like, to be. Like, like, because you, because first off, imagine being in his shoes, right? You're like, yeah. hey, we would like to hire you to come out and sing. And you're like, all right, cool. So you're getting the 411. I'm like, okay, well, what's the location? Which like, oh, it's going to be in a park. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. It's going to be a public performance. All right. And then like, so what audience are we singing to? Is it just the public? And I was like, oh, no, it's going to be for monkeys. And you're like, wait, what? And at this point, you're like, <laughs> okay, quit, quit playing on the phone. Whoever exactly. this is. Like, and I mean, you know, you take the bag anyway. I'm sure they paid him a couple hundred yeah. dollars or whatever come out. But like, I mean, imagine the spectacle if you're just like a viewer in this like monkey park or whatever, right? You're, you're walking by watching these macaques like play in the yard or whatever. And there's a dude in a white suit. Just singing Marvin Gaye to the monkey. This is by far going to be his most well-publicized gig. Oh, by far. By far. Uh, But yeah, that's a real thing that happened. Feel free to go look it up. It's an interesting story. Seems like a legitly nice dude from what little I've seen. Just weird circumstance that science decided that they like music so they're, they're I'm happy for him because you know it's I mean it's got to be hard sometimes as a tribute artist or I'm sure you go through cycle because I remember there was there was there there's a group of tribute artists that perform one of the same casinos I perform at and you know they have p- pictures on the wall and you say oh yeah this guy looks like so and so there was a Bill Cosby tribute oh, artist. Oh, no. You know that guy went from booking all the gigs to he probably doesn't work anymore. Unless oh, he can, that sucks. Unless he can make himself look like somebody else. I mean, dude, I've always wondered that. Like, if you, because there's a lot of people, that, you know, because as humans, I guess we only make like so yeah. many different facial structures or whatever. Like, yeah. there's some people that just look like other bad people. Right. And I always wondered, like, how does that affect you? Right. In just your day to day life. Like, because I mean, let's be honest, how easy is it to look like Woody Allen? You know, if you're yeah. kind of just nerdy, kind of never see a looking old dude, and that went from probably being a good gig to yeah, you probably don't get any work anymore either. Yeah, that's a tough one. Ah, wow. And it's through no fault of your own. Exactly. You didn't do anything to anybody. You just woke up one day and like, ah, oh, the person you happen to look like is completely toxic. Yep. Oh man. Well, all right, let's get into some other gaming topic news here, because there's a few things to touch on. We're probably going to have to hit them pretty quick, because we've already drugged this out a little (laughs) bit. (laughs) All right, so those of you that don't know, Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook and whatnot, uh, has decided to rebrand Oculus as MetaQuest 2, because they want Meta in the name and, you know, all that good stuff. And everything. Well, they decided post-Super Bowl, they were going to host a virtual reality concert, which similar things have been done in games recently. I think the most recent one was a thing that happened in like Fortnite or whatever. And they got the Foo Fighters, which, you know, that's a cool yeah. show to have, right? right. So they're like, hey, we're going to do the Foo Fighters. You get online. Uh, I think they sent it out to, I want to say the number might have been like 60,000 people or whatever that had an Oculus that I guess had shown some interest in it at some point. They got like a special invite. So, like, cool, post-Super Bowl, you go sign up, you get to watch this concert. And from what I understand, it was a legit, like, 45-minute show. Like, it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to play two songs or whatever. It was like, if you're yeah, fans cool. of the Foo Fighters, yeah. you actually got some of the, like, more rare songs they don't really perform publicly or whatever. So that's kind of sweet. But some reason, I don't know who in their infinite wisdom who was scheduling it, because I can tell you as a person who scheduled many events, this is a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. They decided... 
they were going to make it uh, registration or whatever, gates, whatever you want to call it. I don't know how you describe that in the multiverse or whatever, in the metaverse. But it was going to open at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, uh, I guess, local time. But then the show starts at 8.05. Bruh. Yeah, so you're basically <laughs> saying all these people you sent the invite to are all going to be waiting. So when that clock ticks 8 o'clock, they're going to put their headset on and try to log in. So appropriately, <sighs> the server they had set up for it broke. Of course it did. Why wouldn't it? When you have everybody trying to do high-end uploads into the system at the exact same time. So some small number, I want to say it was like maybe 20% of the people ended up getting to see it live. They had to send out some apologies. They ended up making it available after the fact so people could go back into the uh, showroom or whatever and see it. And for, I don't know how long it's going to be up, but it was some amount of time after the Super Bowl if people want to go check it out. That's rough, man. That's a, that's a hard way to drop the ball because if you, ha- I mean, obviously these people are fans of the Foo Fighters or at least right? wanted to see a concert in the metaverse and like, hey, let's go experience this thing and it's going to be cool. And then your first big attempt, you kind of goofballed it really bad. I was going to say, you could. it'd be uh, fair to say someone threw a monkey wrench into the proceedings. Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. they definitely did. <laughs> and here's the thing, like, I, I And, you know, if I'm Zuck or whoever's in charge of whatever, the frustrating thing to me would be it wasn't a technical issue, right? It wasn't like something broke or the, the concert footage you had didn't work or whatever. This was literally whoever's job it was to plan it just did an awful job. Like they had no foresight because you easily could have opened that up at 730 or even say open at eight starts at 830. But give it at least a 30 to 45 minute window Everybody could have came in. If there were any backup or glitches, you would have had time to fix it. Let the people get back in. Good to go. Right. That feels like very basic event 101 stuff that I don't know if it was a new person, somebody under pressure, if there was time constraints because of the Super Bowl. Like, I don't know. But hell, the Super Bowl didn't go to overtime. So that shouldn't have been a problem either. So I don't know what the issue was. But yeah, it, it, hmm. Like you said, first, you know, first Nafu is scheduled. Like, hey, yeah, it's starting at eight oh five. Okay. Yeah, the minute I saw that, I didn't even have to. I almost didn't read further into the document. I was like, I know exactly what happened here. Yep. Like, I I've run in enough events, even in person, that I know you got to allow time, like, because something happens. Your your computer breaks. Your printer that you're printing out badges on, you know, gets jammed or something, or who knows what, right? There's always issues. So you got to give yourself enough time to allow people to get in, get situated before any of your events actually start. You know, I even ran a small convention myself. Like we had registration open for a while. You could walk around and go to the vendors. No events actually started for up to an hour after we opened or whatever, right? Give people time to get there, get in, get situated. It's a thing. I, I hope somebody didn't get fired over it because they, they might have. Because you have to know, getting a Foo Fighters and getting people to record it and your camera member, that was probably a production just to get the footage and everything to make it work. Yeah, That had a big expense. I don't know what it cost you to operate something in the metaverse. That had some cost. And then the PR cost, you know, now you have to have people go around and, you know, all the different tech websites are probably calling and wanting statements and blah, blah, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's just rough. And when you're already rebranding and you're trying to get something pushed and you're trying to be the next big gaming thing or whatever, 
Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. And right now, I don't even know if the whole metaverse Oculus thing, outside of, you know, some interactive gaming or whatever, I don't know what it is to become. Because right now, it just sounds like you're just making a more virtual version of Second Life. Right? Where you just go in, you have a separate character or persona or whatever, and you can walk around, you can shop, you can buy things, whatever. But it's just, it's just Second Life, isn't it? I feel like somebody's going to nail it, but I feel like nobody has really nailed it yet. I feel that way, too. Like, there's something that I don't know what the best use for it is. But when it happens, it will probably be really profound. At some point, it's going to be like the Matrix. You know, just push a button and you're... Well, maybe... You're you're at the Foo Fighters concert for all intents and purposes. I mean, that's doable, right? There's nothing to say, like, maybe the next time the Foo Fighters perform live... There's special cameras set up by MetaQuest that if you have a headset, you get to watch it from the perspective of their cameras, right? And maybe that comes with it. Maybe you pay $20 for that or whatever, but you get like some awesome seats at this concert effectively. But you get to watch it from your couch, you know, with yeah. with free drinks instead of $12 drinks or whatever. <laughs> so like that would be kind of a cool use, right? Like I'd be down for that. So I don't know. There's probably still some cool stuff to come from it. I just, you know, don't really know what the right thing or the best thing is going to be. But yeah, figured it was at least, at least worth bringing up, though, with that whole, yeah. whole VR situation. As we, you know, look into and talk about virtual worlds all the time. So this is. Yep. Well, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty has come launched. And people are actually enjoying it. It's like, I don't know. I think the problem was when like the first Kamigawa came out, it was kind of hit or miss. So you were just into it because it was Japanese inspired and you were into Japanese culture and everything else. Or it was kind of like a real big miss, right? From a lot of different things. And I think that left a lot of people being really skeptical going into this one. or just like, yeah, we're trying to do it in the future. Yeah, we're just going to rehash stuff, but like the ninjas get like lightsabers. Like, what are we going to be doing? You know, <laughs> and these are valid concerns. Yeah, but as it turns out, I've seen nothing but praise for this set. And they consulted actual Asian people this time, so that was a, a big help. Oh yeah, several of the Asian community I've seen in my social feeds, like they're all excited about it, praising it. Me as a player, I wasn't necessarily big into Kamigawa or that presentation, but I like the cards. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening with it. They just released a a trailer yesterday that, honestly, it looks like a three-minute anime movie trailer. Like, if you you took out maybe two characters that I identify as being magic characters, and you just gave me the rest of that, I would think it was just some anime movie. Like, either something coming out on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. I would not have known the difference. Like, they went out and got actual anime artists, like, Japanese studios, like, the soundtracks on point. And it tells the story of the set. Like, it's it's really cool. If you haven't seen it, I would just look up Kamigawa. uh, I think it's extended anime trailer. Like, it's really good. I'm putting together a samurai deck that I am very much enjoying so far. I don't know what tier it'll be, but I think it's going to be fun. There you go. Right. 
But that's the Wandering thing. Wandering Emperor, I think, definitely is is going to be a, a good card. Just throwing a Planeswalker out at instant speed. Oh, well, yeah. That, that card is actually really good. Yeah. But, you know, I've talked to a lot of retailers, and they're all saying, like, this has been their best-selling Magic set and who knows how long. You know, okay. it's the singles are moving well. They had good pre... Well, the ones that held events and store had, like, good pre-release attendance. Like, this is checking all the boxes across the board. Like this, I would not be surprised if we hear a thing from Wizards saying like this is their best selling winter set by a significant margin. Because like each set kind of does progressively better or whatever in the year over year. But like I could see this one outpacing all the others by a good double digit percentage. The way people are talking about it. Like even some of the local stores I still check out or whatever and went to just see like, hey, did they sell stuff or whatever? Like they've moved a decent bit without even having gameplay in some of their stores. People just wanted to pick it up. People are building commander decks. People just like the artwork. You know, they've got the anime alternate art things like everything online's been good around it. Like they they've got it right. And this is a high bar because, you know, when we talk about going into the streets of New Capenna. Like, are we going to get, like, film noir stuff? Are we going to get, like, the flapper chicks? Are we going to have, like, I don't know, pinstripe suits and Tommy guns? You know what I mean? Like, what? Because what you could go down. You know what I mean? Like, you could do yeah. a full production based on that. Like, I man, if this is an indication of where their plans are for the rest of the year, this is a high bar to live up to. We're going to have cards like, meh, see, and that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, you know, that could be a cool removal card, actually. Forget yeah. about it. Exile whatever card. Like, that'd be funny. But, yeah, it, it's, I don't know, man. Bada boom, totally. So it would work with goblins and kind of. Oh, that'd be a good bada one, Bada boom, bada bang, since they're always setting things on fire and blowing things up. You can get a blue removal card that's just like cement shoes. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, feel free to bring us on as consultants with our infinite uh, mafia experience. That's there. what I'm saying. There's so, tons of things you could do. So like this set or this year opens itself up to be very flavorful, like set to set. Like I'm just hoping we checked all the right boxes on this one where people were skeptical. So I'm kind of hoping that we can kind of keep this going because honestly, you know as well as I do. Like gamers like to complain, magic players like to turn molehills into mountains all the time no right so the fact that you're seeing none of that with this set is amazing like i i'm and i'm being i'm not even you know being hyperbolic here like i genuinely don't know if i've seen a truly negative take on this set or the presentation or whatever promotion of it like they've done a really good job with this one so Credit to the design team, whoever the promotional team, whoever's in charge of it, like they really crushed it on this set. Hell of a job. Now, I kind of wanted to follow up on some stuff we talked about. We touched on maybe last week or the week before about uh, different, we'll say creators of color being banned or having their stuff blacklisted or whatever from TikTok. And for those of you that follow me on Twitter, I've been sharing some of the stories of where, and not, and some of them weren't even people of color. Some of them were white people saying like, hey, I've had people coming after me and they're trying to like take my stuff down just because I'm sharing these stories or whatever. And a lot of it is just people 
talking about things for Black History Month on the platform. You know, and I only because some of them were gamers that kind of changed their content a little bit to talk about issues for the month or whatever, which makes sense, right? If you represent a certain culture and that's a thing people are talking about currently, you're probably going to participate. But the bad part is these are people that by their own accounts are doing nothing wrong, right? By they, they are sharing literal factual content. Like they're showing you in their videos where they got their information from, you know, some from the library of Congress where they look stuff up from, you know, court documents where they've looked stuff up, you know, stuff from like the history channel from like, so they're not, none of this is just like propaganda they're putting out there. These are all like verified sources, right? And that's still getting them shut down. And there's a guy I was following. He actually decided, okay, people are coming after my content, but I need to prove it somehow. So he found somebody doing just a completely passive, benign live stream. Cause you can do live streams on, on TikTok. And this person, it was a it was a white person, but he is a dude just doing basically like somebody's name would pop up and he's trying to guess something about them or whatever. It's really passive. Nothing, nothing big at all. So he's like, okay. He runs it by TikTok, says, hey, does this violate terms of service or whatever? He gets a thing back, says, no, this should be totally good. Don't even know where you're asking me about this, right? <laughs> so he's like, okay, good. So he goes to the point of setting up a similar stream all the way down to dressing similar to the other guy that did it. So there's no, like, your closer representing blah, blah, none of that, right? Dude still got his live stream shut down. Got his account banned, temp banned for like a day. And the follow-up from TikTok was like, oh, yeah, this doesn't really violate anything or whatever. And then his account was good the next day. And his point was like, this is what I'm trying to show you. There are people out here genuinely just trying to shut down stuff because of who you are. It has nothing to do with the content at all or the messaging or whatever. It's people that don't like you talking about certain things or don't like you because of your, your look or race. And they're out there literally trying to get you shut down. People mass reporting stuff or whatever to try to trigger the bots or get it to come across the system so somebody has to shut you down. Like that's what people are genuinely doing because their feelings are hurt. Yeah. And then let's be real. Like there are still issues today that everybody doing content has to deal with. We've talked about it before about different biases with humans and, and algorithms and whatever, you know, recommendation systems. Like you're already fighting an uphill battle against a lot of things. But when you're sharing stories you know, like we've mentioned on the show, the story of Ruby Bridges, right? Somebody right. got their stuff shut down for sharing that story. A story about a legit story about a woman at the time, a girl who was like six years old. Having to be escorted into a school with. Really, I mean, no, really just armed police guards. Because there are people, white people. Of all ages literally lining the streets to threaten an attacker who had to go to school alone. People were so upset that a black kid could be at their school next to their kid that they pulled their kids out of school. Ruby Bridges went to school alone for a whole school year. And if it makes you upset to hear about, think what it was like for her to go through. Dude, imagine that. Like you, every class lunchtime recess alone like how ridiculous is that 
Yeah, and, I mean, what, six years old. Yeah. Like, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is the part I think upsets people. When we when you bring up different issues, especially around race, and you know, people want to play the like, well, Obama got elected president, racism isn't a thing. Like, come on, bro. Like, think about this. Ruby Bridges is only 67 years old. Like that same six-year-old girl is not even at retirement age yet. You know how crazy that is? To say that like, oh, that was a long time ago. It's just not a thing. No, people just, people's grandparents don't want their grandchildren knowing how racist they were. It's just- but, and, and that's my other point, right? Like we, and, and you know as well as I do, like every black person at some point has had those talks with their elders, yep. whether that's your parents, your grandpapa, your your big mama, like whatever. They they had those stories with you, right? They told you, hey, this is why we don't do certain things. This is why I view this this way. This is why you have to dress like this. This is why, right? But how many people that are that are white have those stories about, okay, how did you react in those situations? How have you changed? Right? Like, we don't get a choice. We have to have those stories for survival reasons. But a lot of whites don't have those stories. They don't have those conversations. And 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 I think the scary part, which I get it, if you have any white, it's it's an uncomfortable feeling. I am very sure. Because I know how uncomfortable it is to be on the other side of that to listen to somebody you respect have to tell you about, yeah, we almost died because we were just shopping in the wrong place. You know what I mean? Like, you have to realize that if she's 67, that means there are other people and kids or whatever. You're potentially your aunties and uncles. You're maybe your mom and dad, possibly your grandparents that are still alive that didn't want her in that school. There were other kids her age that didn't want her in that school. Heck, it's just grandparent. I mean, I have a, I had a friend that told me a story though, growing up in Shreveport about just drinking from a water hose, not a fountain. Yep. A water hose. And then hearing some old white person say, why is that N-word drinking out that water hose? And then that was the first time he learned, like, okay, daddy, you know, what, what does that word mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that, that's the tough part, right? When people try to say, like, well, no, there's race doesn't affect things. There's, it has nothing to do with you. Like, that's, that's not why people have a problem with you or your content. That's not why you're trying to shut something. Hell, I've had where I don't remember what it was a video from, like, a year and a half ago or something. But I had made just a random passing joke in a thing. I want to say it was about, like, Snoop Dogg or something, just like a reference. And literally, had somebody reach out and be like, hey, you probably want to watch it with the references. You don't come off too urban, so you don't lose other subscribers like me that don't relate. Oh. I'm like, it wasn't like I did a, a giant dissertation on, like, 90s rap. I literally made, like, one statement as a joke because it related to something I was talking about. And that was it. And I'm like, cool. I just literally just blocked the person. Hell, they may be hearing this today for the first time. And I didn't realize that's why I haven't responded to any of their stuff in months. But... Yeah, just ain't got time for it. Like, if that is offensive to you, wow. You know, hell, sidetracking here, but do you see all the people that were trying to be upset about the halftime show? Yeah, oh my God, it's just... 
man, that was like for real. This was the funniest one though. I saw so many they shared. I don't. I wish I knew what city it was in. But they were sharing uh, a, ca- a camera shot. They were panning across the room in, in a Buffalo Wild Wings, and it's just in a middle aged and older white audience, and they are just dead staring during the half. <laughs> There's no like nobody's even tapping a foot. I mean, it just, I'm like, bro. like, I get it. If you're in that audience, you probably thought that was the worst halftime show ever because there was no energy in that room. But how how many times as we have, you know, black people of a certain age looked at the halftime show the exact same way? I mean, for real, like, here's the thing. Like, the one that sticks out for me was Paul McCartney, right? I think Paul McCartney's a great musician, like genuinely. But he is not a halftime show act. Like, he is literally the only halftime show I fell asleep during. And I'm not even joking. I fell asleep and woke up, and they were about to start the third quarter. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, literally, I was just like, damn. I, I don't even know when I fell asleep. But I was out for a good five, ten minutes. I know that much. But again, I'm not saying Paul McCartney's crap. He's obviously no. a great musician, right? Like, no denying that. But there's some people that don't make good halftime acts. And I will say this, too, for the halftime show. One of the biggest things, the reason I think that was important, and and in my book, third best halftime show, probably the second most important. First being the Michael Jackson, was it 93 halftime show? Yeah. That one changed the way we do halftime shows. Pretty much everything before that was garbage once you saw that. Like, you literally got done with that, and you felt like you left, like, a mini Michael Jackson concert. You're like, yeah. yeah. Like, he started out with, like, coming out of the video board and there was like smoke and lights and like then at the end everybody's like holding up signs of all these kids like around the thing of like kids drawings and whatever like it was crazy like literally changed what you could do scope and scale of the super bowl so i'm like okay makes sense the other one that sits at at arguably number two for me was prince's performance the prince halftime show was pretty good mostly because the way he performed as a professional and the weather and then when he got to Purple Rain, performing it with the way and making it a part of the show, I was like, dude, that you professionalism upon professionalism, right? Like, and you couldn't tell the difference. It looked like it was planned. Like, so credit. But this one I think was important. And this is why I say possibly second most important. Is because the more I thought about it over the last two years, the audience that is affected the most is largely our generation and the following generation. You know, of everything from housing to our jobs to how just we're going to function whatever like we're going to carry the burden of a lot of that over the next 15 20 years and there's already a lot of pressure on a lot of those people for other reasons you know health student loans blah blah whatever right we've talked about it a lot oh yeah so to have a halftime show that that audience related to i think really meant a lot to a lot of people and i think that's something a lot of people missed that they don't really understand but I think that's what, because, dude, if you went around, I will say for every person who's complaining, there was a lot of, like, you know, 30 and 40-somethings, like, jamming in their living rooms or whatever. There was a lot of those videos going around. So, like, credit to them, right? Like, they hit the right audience. But to put it in perspective, we're recording this on Wednesday. Super Bowl was on Sunday night. That video already has 48 million views, 40, 46 million views on YouTube, not counting all the stuff they put on other platforms. YouTube alone has 46 million views of that. You can't tell me people didn't like that, that people didn't enjoy it. Like, no way, no how. Like, just just too good. Too good. They did the right things. 
So yeah, but like I said, people just want to find a thing that there it's really othering, right? When somebody's not like you or they're different or whatever, for some reason, people feel like, well, if I lift them up, then me or my group or somebody I support can't get their shine. And that's just not the case, especially when it comes to content. Like we've talked about it before. Each of these platforms has billions of views a day. Like at best, you're going to get, even if you're except, even if you're a Mr. Beast, you're not even going to get 1% of all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like trying to keep somebody else down doesn't mean you're leveling somebody else up. It's just not the way it works. Just let everybody, especially if they're in your category, let everybody do well because they're going to bring yeah. in some number of people that eventually will find you also. It's okay. People can like multiple people of different types and different backgrounds or whatever, right? So build up everything. But when you see people upset because you are sharing a factual thing on a platform and that's it, enough that they're trying to rally people to get you shut down. I mean, it's just racism. And there's a bunch of people dealing with it on TikTok right now. A lot to the point now, like I said, it's migrated to people that aren't even people of color anymore. White people that are now pointing it out and doing content. There's one woman she's doing just for the month of February, pointing out like, Hey, these things were invented by black people. And she's doing like two minute videos showing people like, Hey, here's some things black people invented. You probably didn't know. She's getting hate from a bunch of people and hers is positive. Like not even making anybody feel bad, not raising, just literally just saying, hey, here's some awareness on some things that you didn't know were invented by black people. And she's getting attacked. And like at some point, like we talked about, like TikTok has to go after some of these people if you want to keep getting quality creators. Lest your account just becomes a bunch of like hate and drivel. Because there's already was the issue of basically black people starting trends and then non-black people getting the money and the credit for it, right? I would say nearly every dance thing, so many random social things, whatever, started in some like black sector on TikTok and ended up somewhere else and somebody else got credit for it. Like a, like a microcosm of our culture, really? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I mean, there then there's people even showing that like, hey, remember this trend? And then they'll show the thing of like, Here's the original TikTok video or whatever. Hey, remember when this started going around? This is the person that started it. You know, say, hey, you know, this D'Amelio chick that did this popular dance. Here's the person that actually started it, you know, and you'll see the people who got popular have like millions and millions of views. And then the other person has like 10,000 followers. You know, just like that's perpetual on the platform. So there are a lot of things people are dealing with. And I, and I tell people this because like a lot of things behind the scene that you don't really see are always being fought, dealt with. There's a bunch of groups trying to help each other out, break through the glass ceiling, if you will. Like, that's a constant. So just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not real. But there are people right now actively trying to shut stuff down, which is hell. And again, just talking point, understand that even MLK would only be 93 this year. That wasn't that long ago that he was shot. 
Like, we're sitting here saying, like, oh, you know, we just lost Betty White, who was 100, and, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, MLK wouldn't even have been that old. Which is crazy. I mean, hell, Ruby Bridges, barely old enough to maybe be my grandma. <laughs> you know, like, so, like, bruh, you know, hell, not even old enough to be my grandma, actually. Barely old enough to qualify as my mom. So it's like, come on, man. Like, these these issues weren't that long ago. We're not that far removed. And I think it would do everybody good. Like I said, the fact that we have to have those conversations and talk about things, probably have those conversations from the other side. Not even accusatory, but just ask. Like, hey, where were you when this type of issue happened? Like, where were you when, you know, these onslaughts or these raids happened? Where were you when these internment camps went down? Like, where were you... You know, when when this person was shot or assassinated, whatever, just to understand perspective and give you a better wherewithal of where things are right now. But yeah, we still got a couple more things to hit on here. Now, this one's a little more lighthearted just because of the stupidity around it. But there's a group that goes by... I guess group, maybe that was going to be the name of the company. I don't know. But MTG DAO, MTG DAO, they, I'm, I'm just going to describe it to you the way I read it. Because I, I was telling Brian, like I had a thing where I read their statements and their documents like four times in a row. And on the fifth time, I stopped halfway through wondering if I was just having a dumb day. Because you know how sometimes you read things and stuff's not clicking and you're just like, ah, why is this so difficult to comprehend? Like, I know it's not that difficult, right? So I'm trying to figure out what is the positive of them doing this? Because you can't, I mean, maybe you can, obviously, but I'm assuming you can't make these types of statements and try to do a big promotion and try to get money if you're not at least showing some positive of the thing you're doing that can convince you that this is a good idea, which tells you what I thought of the thing that I'm so confused, right? But they basically had a business plan that they were going to take Magic the Gathering, and make a rare NFT version. Being proud to tell you they're going to make a rarer version of Magic, which already exists. And then they were going to create a game for you to play with these rarer versions that is just Magic the Gathering, which already exists but in a different digital space. And yes, some of the cards will be hard to get because they're all going to be limited. So people will have more fun playing with crappier cards that are available. And somehow, and I do, I'm not lying to you here, they believed this idea was one, legal, and two, going to make them enough money that they believe that someday soon they would be able to just buy Wizards of the Coast. I don't uh, even understand. The mind wobbles. <laughs> it's just... I, I literally read through that, like, I don't, at least four times. And like I said, around the fifth or sixth time, I literally was just like, I, I'm, there's something I'm not getting. So I started asking other people who had read it, and they're like, no, it's as dumb as you think it is. And I'm like, okay, good. It's not just me. 
Kotaku's headline basically sums it up thusly. Magic the Gathering loving crypto losers fail to understand copyright law. Yeah, that pretty much is... I just don't understand. Harsh, but accurate. Like, and y- y'all know if you've listened to, to a few episodes, we're not NFT haters, but this is just super dumb. <laughs> yeah, like I like I said, I get it. There's environmental issues, whatever, around NFT, and some people don't like them, whatever. There's some ways I believe they can be used or whatever. Most people aren't using them that way, whatever. But to just have the idea, like let's take the NFT layer off of it, that you're going to take a product that literally already exists, and you're like, okay. We're going to make a rare collectible in some instances because they're going to try to recreate all the cards, it sounds like. So you're going to take some rare collectibles and somehow create an environment where they're even more rare. And then you're going to recreate the thing you do with them that literally already exists. So you're not even taking the things and making a new way to play Magic. You are literally just playing Magic. But because you're making limited edition rare things or whatever... A bunch of the stuff won't be easily had for people to play. So you're going to have to get crappy versions. And then you're going to have to enjoy playing with crappier versions or commons of things that exist. Because the others will already likely be bought out and be very expensive. Like, who's going to play your game? Like, literal millionaires? Like, and and then, how much money do you think you're going to make? Right? Because... Uh, enough to buy wizards, apparently. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, Hasbro's not going to sell a wizard for less than three times multiples, and if they already made a billion last year, you're not going to make a deal for less than three billion, right? So you're telling me you believe taking somehow every card in Magic, making some number of them multiples or whatever, and you're going to sell them at enough of a money value and enough transactions are going to be made on your blockchain that you're somehow going to make $3 billion in short order from people playing a game they could already play. Hell, not even already play. You can play in paper. You can play in Magic Online. You can play in Magic Arena. You can play in a bunch of different formats. Like, Yeah, we lack. There's one thing we don't lack is the number of different ways to play Magic. Exactly. Like, that's the part I don't understand. If, if you're selling a product, first of all, it has to be legal. Second of all, you want to offer something that doesn't already exist in near infinite capacity. Yeah, literally not a single thing about this was a new idea. Not the concept, not new art, not the presentation, not the purpose and use of it. Literally nothing. And they were trying to sell this to people as an idea. Like, I don't even understand. Like, what investor can you even go to when you lay it out? And they're like, Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I've heard of that. And they're like, yeah, we're going to make that. And like, okay, so what are we, we doing with it? No, no, <laughs> yeah. we're just going we're just going to play Magic, but on, on these servers. Okay, but why wouldn't they just play this? Well, they can, but this one's going to be cooler because it's going to be more rare. But then why wouldn't they play the one they could just acquire and get more stuff for? Get out of the office. Security! Like, I can only imagine the string of questions. And it's like, well, these will be worth more. Like, well, yeah, sure, but who would want to play it when they could just afford, like, five times as many cards over here? Like, Like, what are you doing? Phase one, we steal underpants. Phase three, profit. What's phase two? Phase one, we steal underpants. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Phase three, profit. Because at the end of the day, I'm just like, what are you even promoting? Like, what are you selling? You're not selling an original IP. You're not selling a protected anything. Like, and, and then, like I said, the fact that they were like proud 
that yeah oh, no we're yeah. gonna have a, it's gonna be more rare and everybody's like yeah we get that but why is that a selling point <laughs> right like well you know you're gonna be able to play your people are gonna have more fun playing with the crappy cards like well we could just play popper right now if we really wanted to yeah and it, and it won't cost a mortgage <laughs> like like i baffling baffling that people can convince themselves of anything like this, you know what this is this feels like somebody who has some money and they're surrounded by yes men yeah and nobody's talking about like yeah boss hold on a second though <laughs> Brewster's millions or he had to burn through something like a hundred or 30 million to win a hundred yeah, million exactly. just, you had to spend all this money and have nothing to show for it is what this sounds like yeah it's just such a weird idea like there's no way like obviously it's a thing you know, they made a big deal of it. So, you know, they thought it was legit. But, yeah, just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, man. But, all right. That brings us to the dinner table. And this one's kind of a interesting subject. Because a few people have asked about it. And and I think because I put out so much content last week, some people were concerned that, hey, don't burn out. You know, make sure you're good. Make sure you're sleeping. Drinking water. I'm like, no, I'm good. Didn't YouTube also send you a letter like, hey, we I did were slightly before. concerned? Not recently, but I did before. Yeah, they were yeah. like, hey, you put out a lot of videos. Make sure you're you're not suffering from burnout or whatever. Yeah. But, no, one of the things is, though, and I think this is a good conversation for us, Brian. It's just kind of a two-parter. Like, how do you balance your time and how do you not get burnt out? Because... We're living two completely different situations, right? Like I've got obviously a whole spread of content where I'm streaming multiple times a week. We have the podcast. I'm doing a bunch of videos. I do commentary, occasionally writing something, you know, doing stuff for uh, partner partnerships or whatever. But you've got a whole different situation where you've got your family channel. You've got your family and kids at home you're dealing with. Right. So you kind of got different challenges than I do. And I know for myself, let's let's see, you know, for from a time perspective. You know, one of the things I do is I have to like set particularly a couple of evenings a week where I say like, okay, I'm just cutting off at six or whatever, or at eight or whatever. Like just saying like, I'm going to work my butt off, but there's a point where I just have to get away from the computer. Right. It's the whole reason I don't stream five nights a week, six nights a week. Right. I make sure I have a couple of evenings that if I do just want to, you know, sit down and have a nice dinner, maybe hang out with the one friend right now or whatever. Right. I can at least do that and leave myself time to unwind so I can still appreciate the other times. And then, you know, I try, one of the things I try to tell content creators all the time is if you can do work once, make it pay for you twice. And so if I'm streaming and I'm doing a box opening or I'm doing, you know, some standard play testing or whatever, I record that footage and use it for YouTube videos. You know, if I can get, a, if I'm sharing a thing on TikTok, I repackage it with different, you know, heading on or whatever. And I use it as a YouTube short. I put it on reels over on Instagram. You know, so whatever work I'm doing, I'm getting extra mileage out of it. Like, and that allows me to where like, it looks like I have this whole robust amount of stuff mm-hmm. going out, which sometimes I do, you know, like last week where I was playing all the like deck tech videos for, for Kamigawa, but I'm reusing and repackaging and repurposing as much as I can. So I'm getting extra mileage out of it. So that way, if I do have a slow day or a down day or whatever, I still have stuff rolling out consistently. 
And that that's a big deal for me. But I don't know. How do you manage your time? Uh, pr- probably not as not even as organized as what you said, but just, you know, like, kind of like uh, like just uh, a little while ago, Jordan needed help with his homework. So I was like, OK, well, we're not we're right now. We're we're, we're doing medieval history. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I guess, each thing in its own time, sort of. And, the, the you know, the deadlines look like somebody's got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. So just these things are kind of set up as they're set up so i don't necessarily get to attach to the computer for 10 hours a day or whatever yeah so you're basically scheduling yours around the family functions yeah yeah that makes sense i mean you got multiple kids at home they're all going to be on different schedules yeah that's a tough one now as for burnout you know it kind of relates to my time management and preparation where I'm now trying to work with an editor, which took a while to get to this point, right? But I can alleviate some of the editing time for myself, but also allow me to have an extra video or an extra piece of footage that I could put up later. So if I do have a down day or a bad day or whatever, all right, I have this video I've been sitting on. Let me put that up for everybody. You know, so a good example for me was was around Christmas, right? We had Christmas where it was, I think Christmas Eve was Friday and then Christmas was Saturday and, you know, day after. I didn't put up any, I wasn't even on my computer basically recording anything for three days. But I just basically worked the week before, made sure I had a couple of pieces set up. So people on YouTube had no idea I wasn't putting up new content or not freshly produced content. Right. So I prepped work for myself so that way I could have time off. And I've done that before too, where, you know, me and the wife decided we're just going to hang out with each other for the weekend, have some downtime. I'm going to take three, four days off. Cool. People didn't know. Like, I literally was making thumbnails from my phone <laughs> for a couple of videos and just putting them up. You know, people had no idea what was happening. But that's the thing. You kind of just have to plan your time and then make sure you're still giving yourself those elements, you know, still getting rest. If you have to start later, start later, right? If, your schedule gets in the way. And, and I've had days like it where I told people like, hey, we're just only going to do a two hour stream today, y'all. Like, it's just been a long day. I'm going to close out early. I'm going to get some sleep. You know, you have to not be afraid to own your time, to own your well-being. Like, you just you just have to. Now, in your shoes, Brian, like, how do you like, because like you're saying, sometimes you're running around with the kids you know, your wife's wrangling you up to record some stuff for the family channel. You know, you've got your own streams you're doing. Like, what do you do when you start feeling like you're being stretched thin, I guess? Um, I guess you can just kind of try to figure out, like, which which deadline is going to hit first. And then sometimes, you, as, as this probably happened to YouTube, where you filmed kind of, you may be halfway through a video and realize, eh, this one just didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to, or just either do it as a different way, or maybe we're just not doing this video. You get you get the end result. It's like it's not, it's not what you had imagined it was going to be. Yeah, that's definitely happened. And some of those, I just kind of go like, eh. there's a couple I just pull the trigger and put it up anyway. There's others where I'm like, you know what, I got time. Like, let me let me just do another one, you know, but you have to decide for yourself where it's worth it to push yourself or not. Right. Some days it is. Some days it's not like some people. Sometimes people don't get your best and that you just have to accept that. Like, that's going to be yeah. OK. It's one of the reasons I tell people that, like. I didn't even want to start out 
being a boisterous, over-the-top character, you know, whatever, trying to ham it up for the cameras or whatever, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that every single day, right? At some point, I was going to have a bad day, or I wasn't going to have the energy or whatever. If I'm just being myself, it's way easier, even if I'm having a little bit of a down day to, like, fire up the camera and just talk as myself. I don't have to pretend to be somebody. I don't have to do it. Like, and that's why I tell people, the more genuine you can be in your content, the less likely you are to suffer from burnout, right? If you spend a lot of time trying to be something you're not or trying to keep up with the Joneses or present things a certain way that you just aren't comfortable with or whatever, it becomes more of a chore. Like the closer you can be to yourself, your ideals, your likes, your presentation, you're going to be way better and burnout's going to come way less. Like at least that's my experience. And that's what I've seen from other people. The people that seem to be the most genuine seem to have fewer burnout days. So could be coincidence, but I'd hold on to that. Well, Brian, we had a long ass show today. So why don't you find you on social media? I am Brian Sonic on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. I also want to apologize for my mic issues. When I reset some stuff, my computer just decided to set things all different. So we caught it, I don't know, maybe halfway through the episode. So hopefully the rest of this got came out okay. But uh, yeah, as always, wherever you're watching or whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening, <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please, for at least a little bit longer... Stay away from other humans if you can. Protect yourself from the Omicron and the flu, because that's still going around. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.